In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is the 18th Sunday after Pentecost, and we are in uh, Matthew's Gospel, still in chapter 21. You'll remember that chapter 21 begins with the triumphal entry with Jesus entering into Jerusalem, which we celebrate on Palm Sunday, and so we set those lessons aside for our Palm Sunday celebration. Once he goes into the temple, he cleanses it, he exits Jerusalem, and he goes two miles away to Bethany to stay with Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus, and then they uh, re-enter Jesus and his disciples, the city of Jerusalem, through the day in order to preach in the temple precincts. And he is there um, encountered with the religious authorities, with the leaders who uh, begin to argue with him more and more vehemently, um, challenging Jesus in every way. And in these challenges, Jesus introduces to them parables. You remember last week we talked about the parable of the two sons. And he says, which one uh, does what his father says, the one who promises or the one who actually does it? And then he has this uh, second parable that immediately follows it, the parable of the tenants. And so we get um, uh, lots of metaphors here this morning um, that we're going to mix back and forth no matter what your English um, teachers told you. Uh, The scripture is all about mixing metaphors, as many as we can. We just love to throw them in there, stack them one on top of another. Uh, And this this parable of the vineyard and of the uh, the master of the house is a very important one in which we see introduced um, by the prophet Isaiah. He introduces it in kind of a, if you will, a primitive way. And I don't mean primitive in a negative sense, but I mean in a kind of a foundational sense. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 5 talks about the Lord as his beloved. And he talks about singing this song of the beloved. And uh, this is a very important place for us to start because we see this love relationship between God and his people. And that this is who God is. He is um, a lover who is um, in love with his son and with the Holy Spirit. And so we know the Holy Trinity Um, expresses love within the Trinity. Um, This is why it's so important that we understand um, God as um, three persons in one because um, before creation God loved and if he didn't have an object for his love he couldn't have loved but throughout um, eternity the Father has loved the Son and the Son the Spirit. And so this uh, desire to be in this love relationship with creation and with his people is evidenced here in his uh, vineyard analogy. He plants this vineyard for it to produce love. His desire is for um, love to come back to him. And so he plants these uh, grapes and he uh, does all of this hard work, right? He um, does all of this capital investment, this time investment, if you will, to bring forth love. So um, what is it that he's doing? What is the, the vineyard and what is the well and what is the watchtower? Of course, these are all the aspects of God planting the nation of Israel, right? Um, He plants them with uh, the scriptures. He plants them with the commandments. He builds for them the watchtower, the tabernacle, the temple of God, uh, wherein all of the good fruits are to be brought. Um, He brings and digs um, this well, right? He teaches them sacrifice. He teaches them how to look out for those who are in need, to look out for the poor and those who are outcasts. And he gives them a fertile place in which to grow. He um, sets for them uh, these boundaries of this beautiful country for them to be able to prosper in, um, in their hearts and in their minds and in their lives. And of course, instead, they become 
wild grapes, right? That is, everyone does their own thing, right? Each man does according to his own eyes what is good, right? This is the wildness. This is the um, lack of obedience or the disobedience, if you will, of the people of God turning away. And the Lord says there's going to be a, a, a consequence for that, right? And and we look at what the master of the vineyard does here in Isaiah, and no one can argue with it, right? If you um, do all this work and you've got wild grapes, there's nothing to do but to let it go fallow, right? And to let those, uh, those vines go fallow, you're not going to continue to prune them and work on them. You're going to let them die. You're going to break the wall and you're going to allow animals to come in and to trod over it and so that you can get rid of those vines completely. And then you're going to have a new planting. Um, it's not that um, the vine um, planter hates these wild grapes. It's just not what he's planting, right? Uh, it's not that the Lord hates those um, that do iniquity, but that's not the business that he's in. He's not in the business of iniquity. He's going to remove it. And he is going to plant righteousness. Of course, this is exactly what Jesus talks about. And it's, it's wonderful when he gives this um, almost retelling of Isaiah's parable, but with um, more art to it, right? And more pieces to it. We see here um, in this parable that uh, once the Lord plants the vines and once he sets about the watchtower and he um, puts the walls in, right, these um, ways of living, uh, then he gives over some authority and responsibility to the tenants, which is crazy, right? You read this part of the parable about the owner going away and leasing it to tenants and you think, well, that's dangerous, right? Because we know people, right? And we read that and we think, I don't know. How well they're going to do, right? They're not going to do as well as the owner is. We know that. And so he goes away and he comes back, right? And the tenants, um, those that are managing, um, are, are being um, honored by being brought into uh, the, the ministry of God. And I want to stop there because this is the... Um, this is the kind of radical uh, nature of our relationship with God and our relationship with these um, parables. Because we are the branches of the vine, as John says in chapter 15, but we're also tenants. See, we're supposed to be producing fruit, but we're also supposed to be helping one another, encouraging one another, building one another up to bear fruit. So we are branches but we're given responsibility to protect other branches and this is where the metaphors start to get a little bit more dynamic maybe so these tenants are the religious authorities right and Jesus is speaking directly to the religious authorities who have challenged him he's speaking directly to the rabbis directly to the scribes directly to the priests he's saying you are given a responsibility you were given a task you were supposed to be producing fruit, and you decided to take it for yourself. What does that mean? That means they forgot who the vineyard belongs to, and they forgot the goal of the vineyard. They started to think that the vineyard was for them and for their needs or their wants. And they started to think, oh, all that we've been given here is ours, and we can start to do with it 
as we want to do with it. And, and that's a very easy thing for us to fall into, isn't it? We start to talk about our life and our time and our money and our stuff. And we start to think that this is all ours. That somehow that we made all this, right? And that we're responsible for all this. And when we do that, we start to um, think that we've got some decision to make. And that we've got some, some power in and of ourselves, right? And this is how we can start to get sideways and forget about the goals of the vineyard. And when people come along and they start to tell us, um, of this is the way that you're supposed to act and this is what you're supposed to do and your life isn't supposed to look like this, we get angry, don't we? And this is what happens, right? The vineyard owner sends these servants who are the prophets to say, wait a minute, this is why he built this vineyard. These are the fruits that he's trying to get. And uh, the people become angry when they hear that, right? They become angry when they're um, held up to account. And so they kill the prophets. This is what happened to the prophet Isaiah. The people killed him. They stoned him. And they killed many of the prophets. Why? Because people don't like being told that they're doing something wrong. It makes them mad. We're just like a two-year-old, right? We say about two-year-olds, they don't like to hear no. Well, who does? Right? Who does? Nobody. We all get upset, but we learn an act, right? And a way to go around. Rather than saying, you're right, I did what was wrong, and that needs to be changed. And so he sends his son. And they think that if they kill the son, that they're going to be able to receive the inheritance. That is, as a child of God. And this is what our culture is doing um, full force today. Right? Is to say, everybody is a child of God. Wrong. We're creatures who can become children through grace through adoption and we put God aside we put Jesus aside so that we can say I have all those good things I'm the child of God and I have all these rights and I have all these privileges and we put ourselves into the place of God and of his son it's a very easy thing to do and so Jesus says, what is the vineyard owner going to do? What is the master of the vineyard going to do in this situation? And it is the scribes, it's the leaders who say, oh, he's going to kill him. He's going to kick him out. And they're bringing judgment on themselves. And as soon as they say that, he introduces, yes, a second parable. Another metaphor. This time he uses the metaphor of building a wall. And he talks about the cornerstone. Right? For a, a stone wall to be built, there has to be a cornerstone. That's where you have to start. And the cornerstone is going to determine, right, the, the placing of the stones for both walls. And it's going to join them together. It's going to place a firm foundation on which to stand. And it's going to determine the placement and the alignment of the wall. And this is what Jesus does in bringing together the prophets, the nation of Israel, and the apostolic tradition. These are two walls that are placed on the same foundation of God and His church. And He says, you've got two choices here. You can either build upon it, you can align yourselves to it, you can say, oh, how do I stand upon that cornerstone? How do I line up my life according to it? Or you can trip over it. But those are the only two choices. It's either build on it or trip over it. And the, the real judgment comes when the stone is dropped upon the people who ignore it. 
So what do we do? How do we be both branches and tenants who are mindful of the ways and the will of God? And St. Paul introduces for us, yes, you guessed it, more metaphors. Yes, he introduces two more metaphors. The first one he introduces is a sports metaphor. He says, I press on to the goal, the prize of the upward call. So he's saying, I'm an athlete here. This is in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I'm an athlete, right? I know that the Lord has planted this vineyard. I know that his goal is to produce good fruits. So I have to be mindful of that goal. And an athlete that loses track of the goal, right, is quickly going to fail. The only way that the athlete running the race is able to run with success is to be mindful of the goal, to have their eyes upon the prize, right? To have extreme focus, a narrow attention upon it. And so St. Paul says for us to be successful, for us to bear fruit as branches, we have to keep our focus upon the prize. And there's maybe never been a time when that's more difficult with all that we have to confuse us and to entertain us and to distract us. We are filled with distractions and we distract ourselves. We do all kinds of things to draw our own attention away from the prize, from the goal of living according to the ways of God and Christ Jesus. He says for us to hold true and to imitate those who have gone before, which is the only way to become a citizen. See, we are, this is his second metaphor, right? He introduces the metaphor of a kingdom and citizenship. We are citizens in a kingdom, and you can see some of the notable citizens upon the walls, right? Some were rich, some were poor, some were men, some were women, some were smart, some were not so smart. Right? We can all find somebody that we can relate to. Some were married, some were single. And we are becoming citizens. We are being brought in to this new kingdom and we're being taught how to be citizens. For us to be citizens, we need to look at the notable citizens and say, oh, how do they walk? How do they talk? What kind of food do they eat? Right? We're not a ghetto people. Right? We are a people who integrate into the citizenship of heaven. We're not going in expecting we're going to be able to maintain our own ways. We know that we're going to have to be integrated into the life of heaven. And to do that, we have to look at the notable citizens. And St. Paul is saying, look at me, imitate me, look at the way that I am living in the kingdom of heaven. And he says, when we do that, when we keep our eyes on that tradition, on that citizenship, when we keep our eyes on that prize, and we begin to walk in those ways, then we are being transformed from a lowly body to a glorious body. We begin to enter into that process of salvation sanctification, deification, being made one with God. Our God is not an ornamental gardener. He's not in it for just the beauty of the plant alone. He's expecting a crop. He's not an owner of pets. He is a keeper of a flock. He expects that flock to be healthy, and to be in good condition at market. We are servants of a God who is expecting, what? Results. 
He's expecting us to be transformed. He's expecting us to love as he loves, to be righteous as he is righteous, to practice justice, because he is a God of justice. And he is inviting us into his, his life as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we can only do it in love.